0: This is Out of Bounds. This is Out of Bounds here, another Monday evening. It doesn't feel like evening anymore with Daylight Savings, Mia O'Brien. She is Mia O'Brien. I'm John Alba here for your weird wacky and wild hit on Out of Bounds on the Know Your News Network. I got all of that out there somehow in some jumbled mumble way. How you doing, Mia?
1: Good. You forgot to... You buried the lead, though. What's the lead? This is the final show
0: of... That's the final show of the pre... The, of my tonsils being there. on the show. There's, there's before tonsillectomy and after tonsillectomy.
1: Hey, goodbye.
0: BT and AT. <laughs>
1: yes, exactly. Yeah, Very man. Well you're, getting said.
0: Done, you're getting that done late in life there.
1: Yep. Uh, thankfully, I have discovered that a lot of my friends evidently have also gotten it done late in life. Even a shout out to my landlord who was uh, reminding me this morning that he got his done at 34 years old, about 30 years ago. Um, And so obviously modern medicine has improved dramatically since then. I have some friends who uh, I have a friend of a friend that just got it done a few weeks ago. Another friend of a friend that just got it done about back in November. Um, So we're optimistic. Uh, We are very excited uh, to no longer be getting sick once a month. And, uh, yeah, no, I think the biggest challenge is going to be corralling my mother over the next five to six no, days. No, the
0: biggest problem, the, the biggest challenge you're going to face is you not being able to talk for a few days. Oh, wait, that's I forgot no to new... grab,
1: oh, I should have grabbed the white, so uh, my boyfriend bought me a whiteboard, so I'm going to be writing on the whiteboard.
0: Oh, whiteboard, are you going to have a bell too? You're going to. No, he got
1: a, a water gun, like a, a spray bottle, so if I act up like a and, I, and I start talking, he's going to spray me with a water bottle. With a water uh,
0: gun, uh, that's like a good water. idea. Pavlo- or Pavlov's and, uh, what's what's it called Pavlov's uh, you know the dogs anyway yeah you uh, are going to have a tough time there not being able to talk I'm, I've am i never known you to be quiet in the 15-ish years that I've known you it's certainly not something that I expect of you but I guess we will find out what comes from that I'm wishing you nothing but the best as to all of our out of bounds fans here and if you're an out of bounds fan and you'd like to wish me a uh, some positive thoughts, you go to kynchat.com, leave your super chat, or if you're watching via YouTube, you can just hop on in the chat there and send us a super chat. We'll get it read on air. You, you Have you prepared your diet? It's the spring equinox, which is usually the free Rita's Ice Day. I know that. Oh, I did not even think about
1: that. <gasps> you're so right. Um, well, uh, yes, I have. Um, I ordered Popsicle molds last week. Um as well as my darling boyfriend, Kevin, uh, surprised me tonight. I got home about 40 minutes or not, half hour ago, and uh, he bought a snow cone machine. So snow we also- Snow ho- Yes. Uh, so we have a snow cone machine. We have popsicles. I've got a, um, a magic bullet for smoothies.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, protein shakes. I already drink them regularly. Um, so we're, we're stocked up on that front. And then I know cold eggs, mashed potatoes, and pasta, which- I'm going to leave all, I know those are literally your three favorite things, John Alba, Um, but like little orzo pasta, like very small. So I'm going to leave all that to my mother. I am assuming she'll make soup as well. Um, I don't know though, because she did ask me, what do I want tomorrow for my last meal? And that sounded very morbid. Um, Yeah, that
0: is very morbid. But
1: the problem is, is like my preferred choice of meals my mother will cook for me is meatloaf or hot dogs and potatoes. And um, I probably could eat meatloaf in probably like five or six days post tonsillectomy. If it was cool. Uh,
0: well, so. I know you won't be able to drink alcohol, but uh, I'm going to have. A yeah, drink. I'm
1: technically already like a technic I did look it up. It's just eight hours before surgery. I have to stop drinking alcohol. But my mom told me, oh, no, it's 48 hours, 72 hours. So I stopped yesterday. Uh, so we'll just keep it right.
0: going. OK, no, well, let's get that ASMR pop for people.
1: I have a favorite of yours on tap, though.
0: An AP. I like it. I like it. Uh, all right, I'll give you this toast, Mia, since you're not going to be joining us next week. And uh, it's going to be going to be a wild one for you. Nothing but the best. Hope the procedure goes well. Don't sweat the petty things and don't pet the sweaty things. Here we there go. There it is. Mm-hmm. That is the good stuff.
1: Well done, sir.
0: I got to go to your buddy Andrew Badillo's bachelor party down in Tennessee. You're prepping.
1: You're prepping. You're prepping
0: your body. Of that, yeah, I'm prepping my body because my soul has been exuded from my entity, Mia, due to March Madness this past weekend. It was well, a while. D-
1: due to specifically your family, your religion, New Jersey basketball. Take it away, John.
0: Well, Mia, we're looking at Princeton right now. Princeton, a 15 seed, it's headed to the Sweet 16. Fairly Dickinson. Shocking the world by beating Purdue. Furman pulls one off for the ages against Virginia. This was Cinderella's galore in the first weekend of March, man. is the NCAA tournament off to a ruckus start. And we love these upsets, right? We root for them. Parody's great. But at what point, Mia, do we stop calling these teams Cinderella's? Because it seems... In the last five years, excluding 2020, where there wasn't a tournament, upsets are more common than ever. Now, according to the NCAA, in 28 of the last 36 seasons, there have been between 10 and 16 quote-unquote upsets in the NCAA tournament. The annual average is roughly 12.4 per year. Uh, But it seems like we're dealing with an influx right now. So at one point, Mia, do we just abandon the term Cinderella and say, expect the unexpected?
1: No, I think there's always going to be Cinderella, John. I, I think that unfortunately we are, we as a society, whether we admit it or not, we love nostalgia. I'm just the only person that loves screaming. That's the all all the time, but that's the fact of the matter. Um, we are in the words of one of your favorite lines. How can you not be romantic about baseball? Um, We are a culture in America that loves the underdog. We love the upy, you know, the plucky upstart, crazy, can you believe this fantasy ride story. That's just who we are as a society. And anyone that tells you differently, either is an Alabama football fan or a Georgia football fan, which the Alabama football fans have since changed their tune after the likes of five foot 10 Bryce young and Mac Jones, and also this basketball run. So that's just the truth. I, I think that we enjoy it. I think if anything, I, I think that what we're seeing now, and I think we could see in the Sweet 16, is do you consider a seventh seed in Michigan State a Cinderella if they upset K-State, yeah. who truly is a Cinderella because they were picked to finish 10th out of 10
0: right. in the Big
1: 12 standings in the preseason? I would yeah. say they're more of the underdog story than even Tom Izzo's I, I questionable squad.
0: I think when you're an institution, it's hard to buy into you being a Cinderella just because you're a different seed than you typically would be placed at i i guess what i mean by this mia more so is that it is commonplace now where these underdogs are winning more and this is not something i'm seeing a lot of people talk about but let me pose this might this have something to do with as material becomes more accessible for scouting purposes with the internet and Advents with analytics that we might get to see more of these upsets brewing because these powerhouses are more accessible than ever. Tape study is done at a more microcaustic um, in a more microcaustic way than it was done in years past, where even the average YouTuber now can break down a widely available film tape. Uh, At a moment's notice, I'm curious if there is some correlation between seeing some of these teams get that upper edge because of that accessibility.
1: I think it's even more rudimentary than that. I think it's the advent of a three point shot. I think that the fact that we we don't. So it's
0: game changing, you're saying.
1: Right. Well, because if one guy Mm -hmm. on some little mid-major team gets hot from three, then it's over. If the other team can't stop him, if, if one, one or two players, and if we see it here in Jacksonville locally, I mean, part of why the university of North Florida kind of burst onto the scene when Matthew Driscoll arrived there in 2010 was because he was, he, he straight up said, we are going to be the birds of Trey. We are going to shoot the three more than anybody else. And part of why they've kind of come back down to earth in terms of the rest of the pecking order and the mid majors in the A Sun conference is because everyone else now shoots the three at the same clutch sure. as that.
0: Well, and look no further than the Fairleigh Dickinson Purdue game where Zach Eadie is seven foot four. Traditionally, someone, a team with a seven foot four player at the college ranks would dominate. But because, to your credit, what you're saying there, the game has changed. Fairleigh Dickinson was able to open up the floor more. Plus, man, this is like a tale as old as time in the tournament. So many good teams don't know how to handle a press.
1: No. And I was just listening to another podcast on my drive home and they have been lamenting for weeks about why is no team in the big 10 pressing against Purdue until the last four minutes of a ball game. They have two freshman guards who self-admitted are not NBA prospects and yet no one is pressing them. So it just took fairly Dickinson and, you know, Tobin Anderson saying, you know what? We already have a plan. We we feel pretty good. And everyone, uh, so funny. No, he literally saw what the rest of the Big Ten and the country refused to do.
0: What was your favorite of the upset games this past weekend?
1: Mm, My favorite of the upset games? Um probably the fairly Dickinson. Yep. I really, en- I really enjoyed that. Um, just because you're clinging and you're just like, come on, let's do it. You know, it was, the
0: right. defense, the defense was amazing. in the- for
1: what it's worth, I also, uh, I watching, sorry to cut you off in yeah. watching FDU versus FAU. I honestly thought not only did FDU have multiple chances, if they miss, if they don't miss their free throws, if they don't miss a mm-hmm. bunny or two, they win that ball game. I firmly mm-hmm. believe that. I honestly feel like that Fairleigh Dickinson team, which we're going to dive into in just a little bit here, more microscopically, I thought they naturally, and I know they don't have a player above 6'4", I naturally athletic, in terms of natural athleticism, more athletic than St. Peter's last year.
0: Oh, yeah, no, I, I would agree More with fluid that.
1: on the floor. They and have, they were
0: better defensively. Guard
1: play. Were. The guard play for me, uh, I thought it was better. Than what we saw yeah. last year that made it all the way uh, to the elite eight, and so um, I think that was one. I'm scrolling through my bracket now. There were I so think many- the,
0: the Furman Virginia game, the the drama in the Furman yeah, Virginia was game was just also so it was the
1: second game of the weekend of the yeah. weekend, and so you're like, how is this happening already? Right but out also, of the gates. Shout out A-Sun Pride. It's uh, Kennesaw State. Another one.
0: Yeah, that was a close one. That was a close one. A that, of that was such a crappy ending to such no. a great game. It was exactly crazy. yeah that that stunk.
1: Yeah, that one That one for me was a good one. Um, you know, shout out to Penn State. I was impressed with Micah Shrewsbury's squad down the stretch. Obviously, they make it all the way to the Big Ten title game, and then we saw, you know, they advanced to the round of 32. Um, and then, you know, for what it's worth, and we'll also dive into this in a little bit, do we consider the must Bus an upset over Kansas? Like, it's an upset. It's not a Cinderella. They've been no, to the Elite no. Eight back-to-back it was, years. It was a
0: great moment. It was a great moment, and, and we will get into that uh, in just a second. I want to say this real quick before we get to our next topic of this year. I have not filled out a bracket in years. And the reason I don't fill out a bracket is because I find it so much more enjoyable to have no vested interest in any of these games where I don't feel any heartbreak anyway. I watch these games and objectively can enjoy the hell out of them from start to finish. I don't feel nauseous watching any of these games. Like you, you get that like gut pit feeling when there's a close game and something's happening. But it's like that; those good butterflies. Whereas when I was actively gambling on these things, I would want to puke every time. But I do you them, consider
1: filling out me. a bracket actively gambling?
0: I mean, if you're putting money on them.
1: I mean, I fill out a bracket. I give 10 bucks. I don't consider that gambling. gambling? It is, but I think it's more of an entry fee, quite frankly. <laughs> an entry fee to the game, like a, to the office game. I, um, I, because I, I do, I, listen, I picked... Oral Roberts, in all four of my brackets, in all four of my pools, I picked Oral Roberts to upset Duke. And was I upset? Mostly because I came on this program and I went on XL Primetime and I screamed, pick today!" Like, that was the reason I was upset. If I wasn't on radio and on television, like I wouldn't care.
0: Yeah. I'm in
1: it for the joy of it, and it doesn't matter that I just dropped 40 bucks on four different pools. Like it, it's okay.
0: No, your problem was filling out four different brackets, but that's a whole other. Right, so that's why I said I, when little... you zig,
1: I zag, and I, I still, <laughs> I still enjoy the chaos of it all. No, no, uh, the I most.
0: Just, I just didn't. I, I don't know. I for me, it's it as as someone who used to fill them out and put a lot of emphasis on, like, oh my god, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really go all in here. It has been so much more enjoyable just send back drinking a cold beverage and enjoying these games and and you know what i really have loved doing so much more so i love studying how these play-by-play broadcasters tackle telling the stories in these games i know that's a very nerdy thing for people like you and i to care about Mm -hmm. but oh the storytelling from these play-by-play guys and gals are are so great uh, across both tournaments it's the best time of the year this March madness always delivers and it delivered. Well, especially
1: because as we know from being on boots on the ground at the uh, Jacksonville site with our boy, Ian Eagle a few years ago, I mean those play-by-play guys and those sideline reporters and color analysts, they got to learn eight teams yeah, yeah, in yeah. four days. They get their assignment Sunday night. They fly out on a Tuesday and then you got to be able to know all eight teams by Thursday or Friday.
0: Yeah. It's pretty impressive. So I, those great stories are told, and one of the best stories that were, was told this past week, and of course, Mia, as you alluded to, Fairly Dickinson.
1: Which is funny, John, because we actually talked about Fairly Dickinson a few weeks ago on the program, uh, because many believe they shouldn't have even been in the tournament because, wait for it, Merrimack won their conference, but they were ineligible as a transitioning d1 program and so fairly dickinson gets the auto bid out of the nec uh but we don't want to talk about that because we love fairly dickinson they prove they belong in the field shout out to the nec uh fdu john has a 21 year old sports information director dayton's pep band took over as the unofficial band for them since fairly dickinson doesn't have a band just like they barely have a sports information director Will this change the standard going forward, John, for small schools fighting for the Big Dance?
0: First off, big shout to Dayton here, going to Party City and picking up a bunch of swords, and then making for their the own night. shirts. And they learned the Fairleigh Dickinson fight song, which I which think I is didn't super know there was one. Cool. Well, they don't have a band to play it, but there is one, so uh, so cool. That is the magic of March Madness, right? But it does highlight a discrepancy between the lowest of the lows and the highest of the highs in this tournament, right? You have the multi-bazillion dollar programs at the very top, and then you have the likes of Fairleigh Dickinson's out of the NEC that squeak in. And I do think there should be some sort of subsidizing for these lower tier schools to provide them with that similar experience to level out that playing field. Now there's a lot of charm in what we saw here, but I do think it's somewhat of a disadvantage as well.
1: I The bands thing for me, like it's cool. I love the, the, the swords. That's great. Um, but if you remember in Jacksonville back in 2019, for some reason, Yale's band couldn't make it. I think they were like on spring break or studying for midterms or something. And so the UNF, UNF band actually played for the Yale band. Um, so that part for me, that wasn't that out of the ordinary and Yale obviously has a pretty good chunk of change coming in. Um, so, so that one for me was cute and it was like, well, Fairleigh Dickinson, like has nowhere near the enrollment, um, that some of these other schools do. So that wasn't that surprising to me. I think it does appeal to the nostalgia and the charm we talked about earlier. The sports information director one though, I do want to talk about, um, because I do think we are already seeing the changing of the guard in that field well, sports um,
0: info director for those who don't know is the pr for the sports department right from that people aren't familiar with
1: correct um we're already seeing that changing at the bin major level um i can speak to the asun conference where um historically speaking most of the sids who also sometimes go as athletic communications directors um most of them were older guys and not only were they older guys but i even saw in covering the university of iowa um, extensively during my time there while Probably the well, there. yes while the SIDs were older guys the media the in-house media I should say the video department the video department was a couple of old-timey dudes who didn't want to work in news anymore and they had a pretty swanky job where they'd travel with the team and they would film highlights of the games and send them to the local news outlets from 2015 to 2018. like that that's what those guys job consisted of. And then they put out an occasional, like, highlight reel video, which compared to what they were doing as sports anchors and photographers in the news, world was like nothing. It was an easy little job. The University of Iowa has completely changed how they do in-house video now, John. It's worth noting because we're seeing it across the country. Now they're hiring these guys for each team. Each Mm -hmm. team gets its own videographer, Mm -hmm. and they're focusing on hype reels and Instagram reels and TikToks, and that is their sole focus is – generating video content that then plays well on social. I bring that back to the mid-majors and the Fairleigh Dickinsons, the University of North Florida's of the world. Here at UNF, they didn't have somebody who was doing that. When they went to the NCAA tournament in 2015, they didn't have an in-house video person. Now they have three full-time employees whose job, just like at the University of Iowa, is to create hype videos, Instagram reels, videos that go up on the Jumbotron that sort of thing. And that's at a school that is a low major D one in the ASUN conference. Uh, and so to that point, while I don't think Fairleigh Dickinson has the enrollment or budget that the university of North Florida does, I do think we are seeing where a lot of, I don't want to say the dinosaurs are getting pushed out because that's not really fair to the dinosaurs. Um, it's an insult to the, the, the people, the, the, the animals that died millions of years ago. Um, the fact of the matter is, is we are seeing younger blood coming in. And so I think this is a good thing that you have a kid. Yeah, a but junior. it's also
0: a one-person department. And right, but I
1: think it's uh, going to change. I think now I Fairleigh so. Dickinson is going to get so much money and publicity. I hope so. I hope but and I you're guess, CG, you saw with St. Peter's last year.
0: Sure, But again, it brings to the question, should there be some sort of subsidizing here for some of these schools to cover some of these costs to help bring them up to that level, which I think is a fair argument that you can make. A shout-out to Jordan Sarnoff here, the, the Sports Info Director, a, a graduate of the same Iron Eagle Bruce Beck program that you and I tipped our caps to. The OG to.
1: program, too, not the new iterations no, either. long back love in the it. day.
0: We love to see it. But 21 years old, a junior getting it done, I just think it's something that
1: – It's a great opportunity for him for what it's NCAA worth. The NCAA
0: has so much freaking money. March Madness brings in so much freaking money. There's got to be a way to level out that playing field just a little bit does that maybe take away some of the charm and some of the story? I don't know, maybe, but at the same time, I think it's important to provide a fair experience across the board for all the teams uh, that are involved. But I want to continue with this particular game because uh, for as great as this Florida Atlantic Fairleigh Dickinson game was, one that Florida Atlantic uh, did win by the skin of its teeth, 78-70. Really, really unfortunate ending. Uh, Elijah Martin Got a little carried away in the final seconds of this one and attempted a fancy windmill dunk with less than five seconds remaining. And he didn't make it. Listen, I'm seeing this on the surface level, and I'm saying this is an all-time Bush League move as far as I see it. I get it. He's a college kid. But you have to understand the moment. What say you?
1: For argument's sake, I will say this. Florida Atlantic had just punched its ticket to its first ever sure. Sweet
0: 16. Very exciting.
1: So, in a vacuum, it's cool. However, FDU, but
0: he had missed just it. Called,
1: they just called <laughs> off the dogs. Yeah. They had just called off the dogs. It was karma. It was karma for trying to showboat. And so, that's why what's unfortunate is that regardless of who won this game, We should have been cheering because it's still going to be quote-unquote Cinderella. It's a 9 seed FAU. I don't care that they were top 30 in the net and the RPI and Palm throughout most of the year. The fact of the matter is is that FAU, excuse me, like Florida Atlantic should not be in the Sweet 16 in basketball. There were tons of people locally here being like, how, how does, like, Jacksonville University went to a Final Four in 1976. We're, you know, historically a basketball city. What, <laughs> FAU? And I'm like, guess what? They invested the money. They hired a former Florida assistant. Time's and changing. they got dogs. And that's what's upsetting for me is now that kind of stains this FAU run. And everyone's like, oh, yeah. the bullies on the block. They already were trash-talking FDU in the pregame. They It's like, whatever. Like, okay. They're um, like,
0: they're ready to go home. It's like, What?
1: Like, why are you trying? Yeah, I don't understand that. I was hoping that karma would come back around. Um, What sucks too is John L. Davis. I mean, did something no other player in NCAA tournament history has done, dropping 25, 10, 5, 5. And he's a dog. He's been a great guard. I mean, that was part of why I picked FAU to beat Memphis, which a lot of people were picking Memphis, obviously, after their AAC title. But veteran guard play, dudes that can pour it in, and that's what you saw on display. Um, But now we can't even talk about that. Although they are playing Tennessee, and so I guess that's the only saving grace is that people don't want to root for Tennessee um, because Tennessee. So, I mean,
0: maybe that'll save them. I think it ruined the theatrics of the moment because you were getting a standing ovation for both programs at the end of that game. You're know, you giving FAU the, the kudos for moving on, and you're thanking FDU for two amazing outings in this tournament, and you get this happen at the end. And those were thunderous boos.
1: The the booze were real.
0: Yeah. And they
1: were playing that game in what? In Albany? That was Albany. So, I mean, listen, I understand there were probably at that point uh, in time. They were in Columbus. Oh, you are in Columbus. They were in Columbus. Columbus. So, yeah, all the more reason. At first I thought they were in Albany, but they were in Columbus. If they were in Albany, you would have more FDU fans Mm -hmm. there.
0: Yeah. Uh, No, this was just a fantastic game that was ruined by this moment. I I do think it, it stained the game. I really do believe that. You got to be smarter than that. And guess what? If you're going to do something like that, you got to make it. You got to make it. Like what are you doing? I, I, you're going to you say dog, you got the dog. This guy's going to be dogged for this for years to come. That's how people are going to remember Elijah Martin's game, which is not fair because he's a good player.
1: Right. And, they, and it was now, a good win. It was a and, good and, win. And too. it was
0: a good win that's ruined. And thankfully the coaches took accountability. Like that's that's the right way to do it. Obviously this was not the discretion of the coaching staff. This was a player discretion. Uh, but I want to hear your guys' opinions on this. KYNChat.com. Let us know your opinions. Leave us at super chat, or if you're watching via YouTube, leave us a super chat there as well. We'll read your comments live and in person on air here. I'm looking forward to this one, Mia. What are we looking at here?
1: This is Arkansas head basketball coach, Eric Musselman. Many are calling him the new Mr. March, despite the fact that the original Mr. March, Tom Izzo, is also still dancing. So Arkansas upsets number one, Kansas, the defending national champions in the round of 32, and the must bus decides to get up on the table and rip his shirt off and his signature shirtless celebration. Yes, folks, he has done this before. John, is this excessive or does it match the moment?
0: I think it matches the moment, right? I I think it's just part of his brand. He he is remarkably smooth. There is not a lick of hair on that that chest. It is actually fairly impressive, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> um uh, all right, Mia. Here's here's a great picture here. All right, great picture. If this were a meme, what is the caption?
1: Um, so I was trying to play around with like the must bus stops here or um uh leaving it all out on the court, something like that. I was workshopping a couple of those. Here, I got one
0: here, ready? When the boys are back in town, starts playing at the bar.
1: That's a good one, too. I was going to say bearing it all for Des Moines to see. Mm. Um, oh, I love all the the memes or the videos, the gifs of the hogs running.
0: I do enjoy those.
1: The running I, of the hogs. Wild hog.
0: I love this. I think this is matching the moment. It is Now, it's interesting that we have these two categories back to back here. Hello, Zach, in the chat. Uh, We have these two categories back to back here because we're talking about an excessive celebration. Now we're talking about another excessive celebration, but they're also somewhat different. What's your take on it?
1: This is a recruiting tool.
0: A recruiting tool.
1: Yeah, I do. I, I, I honestly believe Eric Musselman has just taken on this persona who, you know, I think deep down he also is. And he's just authentically his crazy ass self. And I think it has translated to recruiting. I mean, look at, I mean, he's got two NBA lottery picks. This is not the type of team he typically likes to coach. He loves to coach plucky underdogs and Juco last chance, you guys. But instead, because they've been to -to back-to-back elite eight tournaments, he has inherited this team that he has recruited that wants to play for him, wants to play for the fiery. Yeah. Like then he posted a picture on the plane and they're all like throwing up the, they're throwing up the W and what's, what's, What is worth discussing for me, John, is the fact that he did this when they upset the number one team in the country last year. Uh, He also was in a sling because he had just had shoulder surgery and it was epic because he was running around shirtless with his cast and sling on, as only Eric Musselman can do. Um, And also, I I think that the the bigger point of conversation, beyond the fact that he's done this now three times, is the fact that Arkansas has been to -to back-to-back elite eights. Do you have to act like you've been there before?
0: I think that when you have the adrenaline of a moment like this, especially given who they knocked off in this tournament, even though, worth noting, Bill Self, not there.
1: Did it really happen? A lot of people who picked Kansas are saying this didn't happen.
0: No, So the tree fell and no one was around to hear it? Mm-hmm. okay. Okay. Um, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say it did, in fact, happen, but... I understand the argument where you're saying to yourself, mm, maybe we didn't get this team at a hundred percent because coaching is a big deal, especially when it comes to pressure time in the NCAA tournament. Like that is a significant disadvantage that you're at when you're man in charge. Not to say that your entire coaching staff isn't there all season. Of course they are. But you know, Bill Self is a all fame caliber coach. We're we're talking about somebody here who, you know, built a Titan in college basketball. So I I get that argument. I'm all for match in the moment. I think the energy's there. If this becomes like his gimmick and it's something that he does, here's the pushback on it. You got to be prepared that when it comes back and blows back in your face, someone else might do it to you.
1: Oh, yeah. And that's where I I think it, you know... It's going to be interesting because he's going up against a pretty fiery personality in Danny Hurley.
0: I hope it's some like Rex Ryan. I hope they both rip
1: their shirts off in the sweet 16. (laughs) I need the K. I I just want the content. And listen, the muscleman is King. And then you consider the fact that Sam Pittman is the football coach at Arkansas. And listen, we're going to get to Ole Miss in just a little bit. And I think Ole Miss has one of the best casts of coaches going right now in terms of sheer content, but Listen, Eric Musselman can coach. To your point about Bill Self, I mean, he literally benched his best player, his best NBA prospect, Nick Smith, because he was a turnover machine. And he plays another guy to run the point, to run the show, and he says to Nick Smith, you got to sit next to me. And we saw what happened.
0: I think it's great, but I also say reap what you sow at the end of the day. This one, though, this – this, yeah, topic, this, one to, this, this one
1: hurts my heart.
0: This one has been pretty damn controversial in the sports stratosphere today. That right there, Ed Cooley did one hell of a job with Providence in the past few years. He is leaving Providence to take the Georgetown job. And you say to yourself, OK, well, that's just a coach leaving for another school, right? Uh, not so much the case. Ed Cooley is born and bred Providence from the area, lived there pretty much his entire life. He prided himself on building the program as the homegrown coach. And then he leaves for a school in the same conference, the Big East. And you're saying to yourself, well, that happened fast. Let's burrow into this even further. This move happened today. His home in Providence is already on sale on Zillow. Some forecasting there, Mia. Is this as We're big no of a deal as people planes. are suggesting that this is?
1: We're no longer tracking planes, John Alba. We're tracking Zillow. We're
0: on Zillow, right? Is this as big of a deal as some people are suggesting it is?
1: Yes, it is. Because Ed Cooley is literally leaving his hometown to seek a bag. Like, I mean, and like, it would be one thing if he was, go- like, I understand Georgetown's a blue blood, although they haven't been relevant in most of our 20s and 30 um, years. So, um, Therefore, like, I I don't know, like, in theory, in a vacuum, it's like, why would you go to Georgetown? But I understand. They are one of the original Big East powers. They are a name brand. You would be succeeding Patrick Ewing, the heralded son that couldn't succeed in turning that program around. And so, listen, I understand the allure. But at the same time, you're going to be competing against the same conference. You're going to have to go against your old team at least twice a year. Well... Like, what difference? What sort of... I mean, outside of the the payday and the name brand, what sort of... Difference is you don't
0: think those two things have a lot of merit.
1: No, I think they do, but at the same time, like I also like I don't know. I just he literally stabbed his
0: hometown in the back. Sports and capitalism go hand in hand. There's a lot of money in college basketball, especially when you're a legacy program like Georgetown. If you were from Jacksonville, Florida originally. And you've been there for years doing your broadcasting thing. Then all of a sudden another station that is in your same company, owned by the same company but in New York for a much higher paying... Whoa, whoa, whoa,
1: whoa, that, 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 but there it is. New York.
0: It's for a better job though. It's in the same network. But it's for a better job. For more money.
1: I don't know. I had offers to go to Indianapolis and Cleveland, and I didn't go there.
0: But, again, I don't think that's apples to apples. But my point here is that who are we to say that someone should turn down a pretty damn big payday? Right. Who are we to say? If this is all built on capitalism, which everyone likes to remind us about all the time, then, who cares? And and as far as like this whole because this has been the bigger part of the discourse, the interconference moving.
1: Right.
0: Man, these aren't the days of your mom, pa's Big East. The Big East disbanded for a hot second and then came it back. It was going to be called
1: the Catholic Seven or whatever right. for a brief time. Right.
0: Then it came back together. So we're not talking about legacy Big East, we're talking about diet Big East. Big East West, if you will. Mia O'Brien, okay? I have no problem with this. Does it stink that he's leaving his hometown? Sure, it does. But this is the business. And it is a business at the end. I'll say this
1: much, John. I will say this. Like, here in this town, uh, Arden Key, who signed a one-year prove-it deal with the Jaguars last year, has now left to sign a three-year pretty lucrative deal with the Tennessee Titans, the Jaguars' hated rival. And people in this town feel like they have been stabbed in the heart. And this is a guy who only played here for a year and then said how much he loved the town and he wanted to stay and blah, 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 blah. So and- that's the only reason I look at Ed Cooley and I'm just like, dog, if like people in Jacksonville are that broken up about Arden Key, how do people in Rhode Island feel You, this also,
0: you also have to understand this too. Sometimes you've reached a threshold on how far yeah. you can take a program. Ed Cooley's been there a long time. And you reach that limit of how far you can go with something. So I understand where he's coming from. I'll play the devil's advocate, even if people don't want me to. I will because I get it now. I I think part of it hurts, too, for them because it's kind of, you know, in, in Rhode Island, you're kind of in that bubble, right? Like it's a small state. There's a lot of pride. And I mean that respectfully to people from Rhode Island or who have gone to those schools you are very all-encompassed by this, right? So I think when someone leaves, it feels more personal. Yes. It feels a lot more personal right. than, say, Patino leaving Iona to go to St. John's.
1: Were you rooting at all for Patino to go back to Providence? Because I was.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Who says you can't go home, Bon Jovi?
0: Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't in on that idea. I, I figured St. John's was going to be the path. Well, for, no, but it's worth, it's, worth,
1: it's worth exploring the conversation and the side tangent because I brought it up on my show today on XL primetime and the boys were like, well, he could go back to Kentucky, but he couldn't go back to Providence because he's taken Providence as far as Providence can go, which is a final four. And all he could do is tarnish his legacy. And I was like, so then what about Kentucky? And they're like, well, he ran him out of town in Kentucky. So he'd be a, you know, he'd be welcome back, a welcoming hero.
0: Yeah, I get but that. But he said he goes to
1: St. John's to where, to get the point about Ed but, Cooley, where maybe the ceiling at Georgetown is higher by nature of the name brand. What is the? What are the expectations of St. John's? I, I, also,
0: I have no interest in seeing Patino get another major program higher at this point in his career. Right,
1: but so what, like, what does reason. he do? Is he just hanging out, retirement I mean, job?
0: At St. John's, you know, St. John's used to be a household name in college basketball once upon a time a long time ago. So that's his era of basketball that he was raised in the system in. So I think if he can return them to relevance, much similar to how Steve Peichel did so with Rutgers, where he brought Rutgers back into the national conversation, I think that's very much something that they're looking for him to do with St. John's. And I do think that's plausible. I think that's something that can be done.
1: Well, speaking of the national conversation, uh, hello, Lady Rebels, Ole Miss, baby. woo! In the women's NCAA tournament, Stanford won the national title two years ago, one of the four number one seeds in the women's bracket, and they were shockingly eliminated in the round of 32 Sunday night by eighth seeded Ole Miss, a historic defeat that marked just the fifth time since 1994 that a one seed was knocked off before the Sweet 16. Stanford never led in this 54-49 loss. Head coach Tara Vanderveer was asked about the disappointment afterwards and said, and I quote, I'm not going to fall into the trap of saying, wow, we had a horrible season. I know that our men's team would be ecstatic to be playing two games in the NCAA tournament. (laughs) The men finished 10th in the Pac-12 and didn't make the NCAA (laughs) tournament. Uh, John, this became kind of a a hot button topic on Twitter after some reporters tweeted it out. And even the reporters, when people jumped on it, were like, you're reading it out of context. She wasn't taking a shot. She was just saying facts.
0: What do you think it was? I'll give her the benefit of the doubt and, and I'll say she probably was just speaking factually. But when you read the quote, boy, does it feel like a shot, right? And honestly, I was like, yeah, good for her. Like, like this is like, this is a, a badass program in Stanford. They have been dominant. As you said, national title just a little while ago. They have been among the upper echelon of teams in women's college basketball. And I think people need to understand this too. If you're not paying attention to women's college basketball. There is not a lot of movement in who is the best of the best.
1: And there's not a lot of parody either.
0: That's what I'm saying. Like there's, you don't see,
1: you don't see the Cinderella's like we started the show with on the men's side.
0: No, if you were to blindly pick teams in a March madness bracket on the women's side, you wouldn't be picking 16 seats to win games. You wouldn't be picking 15 seeds, 14 seeds. Maybe you pick one 12 seats to advance. That's just the reality of that tournament. So Stanford to have the longevity that it has, uh, it's impressive. And on the men's side, that was a program that once upon a time was an elite program in men's college basketball and hasn't been for some time. So I understand where, I don't think it's as much her taking a shot at the men's team, but more so the double standard where it's like, hey, we've been a program of excellence and we've proven this. Whereas now you're saying because we we lost two games in, we're a failure. Would you be saying the same thing to the men? And I think that's a fair topic of conversation. Can
1: you pull up Tara Vanderveer or Tara Vanderveer, excuse me, his picture again, John? So sixty-nine years old, grandma age. Three national titles, one of the best 13, ever. Thirteen Final Fours, fourteen Pac-12 championships, twenty-seven Pac-12 regular season championships. I mean, at this point in time, the million-dollar question is: if Gina Oriemma had said this. What would the reaction be then? I know mm-hmm. it's tough because UConn's men's team is now relevant again, but for a little bit there, they weren't so relevant.
0: One hundred percent. Again, I, I I think it's double standard to a degree. And I have no problem with her saying this, whether she meant it as a dig or not. I think that it does poke the bear on the conversation that you need to have sometimes and say, well, you know, would we be saying the same thing about the equivalent program? Um, Man, you talk about Cinderella's on the woman's side. We don't we don't see a lot of them. We don't. Uh, But there's one you were paying attention to. There was there was a good one once upon a time, uh, the 12-seated Quinnipiac Bobcats knocking off uh Marquette and Miami back in the day, moving on and and played Yukon competitively. that was a hell of a day. Let me you tell want to give you give
1: flowers to the Princeton women's team that also yes, no I do I do, do want to give the flowers upset.
0: I do want to give the flowers to the princeton women's team so cool that Princeton of all places, Princeton proving once and for all me O'Brien, that brains are in fact better than brawn, and that's why you don't see me pumping iron every day. I'm pumping this iron. Right here, the mental fortitude. I'm about this those.
1: Morning. I did lift this morning. My arms have been in pain all day. So, yeah, I, you're
0: in pain, yeah. and I'm not because I didn't lift today. Okay. I do
1: want to give a shout out, too. We almost had two 12 seeds winning in the women's tournament. Uh, because actually, we already did because Florida Gulf Coast did win. Uh, but the Drake men and women mm-hmm. both making the NCAA tournament, uh, again, like Princeton, like outside of those two. How often can you say that mid-majors, both the men and the women, both won their conference tournament and earned an auto bid? And the Drake women hung tough with Louisville. And uh, unfortunately, you know, they just they don't make enough bunnies at the end. And the men's team falls to Miami. They let a lead get away after Miami had a slow start. And so, you know, but I think it's good that, you know, you, you are seeing these mid-majors on the women's side in particular at least being competitive. Because like we said off the top of the show, in the men's side, we see Cinderella's. We see those mid-majors competing. We really don't, historically speaking, on the women's side. I mean, you know, when you're a, like, for example, like I mean, they, they don't count, and I'll get to why here in just a second. But on the women's side, when you draw Florida Gulf Coast, right? Most people hear Florida Gulf Coast, and they think uh, slam dunk you back in 2013 when they made the Sweet 16 on Man, the men's what, side. The fact of the matter ago?
0: is oh, my
1: Florida Gulf Coast, on the women's side, has they're won their conference tournament 12 straight years.
0: Yeah, they're a power. The
1: fact that they were a 12 seed, like, poor wazoo. Like, I would be pissed if I see the bracket go up and I see Florida Gulf Coast.
0: Yeah, they're a power. They they consistently have been one of the best mid-majors in the country uh, year in and year out. Uh, this has been a fun conversation about basketball. We did pretty much this whole show on basketball. But I did, we got to talk about this right here because this was – yeah i know
1: this one hurt you even as a yankees fan this one hurt you john as
0: well well it's like you know are are you hearing narcos playing right now as edwin diaz mets all-star closer had one of the greatest seasons any closer has ever had last year just signed a massive 102 million dollar contract this past offseason Well, Team Puerto Rico walked it off over the Dominican Republic in the World Baseball Classic, and while celebrating, he tore his patella tendon. He is very potentially out for the entire season, and even if not, he's going to miss most of the season. This is a major blow to the Mets. And then you add this in as well, Astros star, former MVP Jose Altuve, he broke his thumb in the World Baseball Classic, and fans are livid. Mia, is this just a series of unfortunate events? Or is there a legit, legitimate gripe to be had with the World Baseball Classic here being at fault?
1: I mean, I think it kind of boils down to, you look at the National Football League and how they've kind of cut back when it comes to preseason training and how much contact and, you know, what they can and can't do. Because at the end of the day, spring training is preseason for baseball. It's the same
0: thing as World Baseball Classic.
1: In theory, but... There, I mean, the shift, you know, I'm just kidding. I'm just no, kidding.
0: no, but I mean, like, like Jose Altuve could have broken his thumb in, in a spring training game, right? right. Like, right, it, Correct. Him, it to be Edwin Diaz's fluke, which literally came from him just jumping up and down, apparently. It could have
1: happened in a Mets spring
0: it, training, it game. could have happened at his house, it could have happened in his yard, it could have happened anywhere. All of these people being like, "Oh, we got to move the World Baseball Classic to the end of the year." Okay, move it to the end of the year and then what happens?
1: When everyone's pop, gassed after a full top, season.
0: You've got pitchers who threw 200 innings this year not wanting to play or or maybe they risk hurting themselves because they did that when Are they maybe a-
1: admitting that they don't try as hard during spring training as they do in the World Baseball Classic?
0: I mean, maybe, but there's also, you know, it's the purpose of spring training is very different than the purpose of the World Baseball Classic. The World Baseball Classic happens once every four years, and these players might have only one shot. To play. I, I know you probably haven't seen much of this World Baseball Classic. No, i been watching been, a lot of basketball. It has been outstanding. It is everything that you want baseball to be. like Minus the shift. I, I mean, yeah, the shift's not there, and then the pitch clock's not there, but... We're talking Lone Depot Park, the home of the Miami Marlins, is packed with people screaming and the Marlins doing. Marlins wish they could have those numbers. Right? We're talking about the Tokyo Dome being sold out to see Shohei Otani hit 500 foot home runs. Like this is what the sport can be. If Japan wins tonight, the final is going to be Mike Trout versus Shohei Otani. Like, are you kidding me? You could not ask for more if you're a baseball fan, but. I think it just, people need to get off their high horse here, Mia, and understand that this has nothing to do with the WBC in any way. And yeah, you might say, the one argument I will hear is that maybe players shouldn't be vamping up so quickly to play in a high-intensity tournament. Would you give merit to that argument?
1: Yes. But... But you could start spring training earlier. You could start working out earlier.
0: You could start doing that. And you could also argue that the players who play well in the WBC might be more ready for the season.
1: Well, that, but also now I'm curious, are we going to hear in like two months that, oh, well, this pitcher's arm is shot because he was pitching in the World Baseball Classic.
0: and, And it is important to note, like there are pitch limits in the World Baseball Classic. Like pitchers are only allowed to throw so many, pitches per appearance because of that and and there's mercy rules in it so it's not like they're just throwing them out there cold you know like you might get a 13 to 2 final but the game ends in five innings you know so like i'm okay with that i think this is great for the sport like when you think of these latino countries you think of japan for most part baseball is a sport that comes to mind you know some of these latino countries you might say soccer which is fair but baseball is so embedded in that culture in a way that no other sport is baseball is looked at as a way out for so many of these players and this will be their one shot to compete on that stage i love it mia i love it i love it i love it i'm gonna be all over that final tomorrow regardless of who the united states is playing it's it's every game pretty much uh in the crunch time has just been fantastic so.
1: I'm very glad that they scheduled the final for Tuesday. Good job, baseball! I fully would have expected you to schedule it for Thursday in the middle of the Sweet 16.
0: Again, there's there's governing bodies at work. I was going to put this in the rundown, but I didn't. What do you think about the uh, Mike Piazza coached Team Italy having an espresso machine in its dugout?
1: Mostly, I just go back to the first World Baseball Classic, and what was it, 2006,
0: exactly. uh, when
1: Mike Piazza announced he would be playing for Italy. And uh, I mean, it was before this scene in, um, in, in like in uh, the office ever debuted, but I mean, that was the ultimate Michael Scott moment before there was Michael Scott of like him pointing to Sabaro and saying, I'm going to get me a authentic New York slice. Like when I hear Mike Piazza is playing for team Italy, like that was the first thing I thought of mm. um, just like Aaron was going to go play for them too. Um, and, and listen, I mean, you want to create diversity of the sport. You want to get more countries involved and watching Major League Baseball, it's a good ploy. I will say that because now there's young kids in Italy that may look at Mike Piazza and become Mets fans, and then they go watch Pete Alonso, and now they get more involved in following baseball. So it's not the worst idea in the world um, to let these uh, players play for where their great-great-grandmother was born, um, possibly, or just had an affinity for that country uh, because she cooked Italian food sometimes. So, yeah, no, I mean, lean into the bit, Mike. If you're going to be Michael Scott, why not?
0: I know. I've I really love this quite a bit. Uh I think it's been a great tournament. Uh, let's get to our final thing here. We're gonna try something new here this week. We'll see if it sticks. Uh, we're gonna do the beast of the week, Mia O'Brien. I wanna know who is just the biggest beast of this past week in the sports world for you.
1: So I wanted to say Jack I was I mispronounced his name. Kagiglion None. I always mispronounce it. Florida baseball player currently leads the nation with 13 home runs. Um, but unfortunately uh, he went over 12 over the weekend in the Gators series win over Alabama. So uh, yeah, he has 13 home runs, but not exactly a beast this past week. And so I do go with the New York Rangers uh, who I texted you about earlier, uh, six, nothing winners twice this week, two or two, excuse me, six, nothing. And then seven, nothing. They actually scored six goals on just eight shots. Um, I, I can't remember outside of 2016 and that Stanley Cup run. Uh, no, 2014, excuse me. 2014 and that Stanley Cup run, a time that in our formative years, the Rangers have been putting up goals like they have. And listen, it's good for New York. And the Knicks are good, too, for what it's worth. So um, hopefully OJ doesn't come it, riding down in a Bronco anytime soon oh, because boy. it's feeling like June 1994 right now in the big Apple. Yeah.
0: yeah, it is. Uh, the Rangers Rick
1: Petino is even hosting a press conference in Madison Square Garden.
0: True. The Rangers were really good last year, and and they've they've really looked like they are knocking on that door of doing something special. Uh, my beast of the week, Trey Turner, mm-hmm. newest Philadelphia Philly. This guy is putting up otherworldly stats in the World Baseball Classic in five games. Ready for this? Four homers, 10 runs batted, seven hits. So four of his seven hits have been home runs. Five runs scored. He's got seven hits and 19 at-bats, two walks, four strikeouts, 368 average, 429 OBP, and a 1.429 OPS. Uh, These are off-the-charts numbers. He had the Grand Slam as well in the World Baseball Classic, establishing himself as uh, one of the true superstars to be on the lookout for this coming season. Absolute beastly week. And I love, you know what, with the atmosphere of this, Mia, and how awesome things have been looking, I hope that it makes some of the players who voluntarily skipped out on this a little jealous that they skipped out on it. My question
1: is, will Trey Turner take the Phillies over the, will he take them over the top? I, I like, know they obviously, they just played for a World Series. I like past
0: this offseason quite a bit. I like what they did this offseason. How much
1: do you think what the Phillies did last October was catching lightning in a bottle versus they actually have a pretty well-constructed um, roster? Lightning in the
0: bottle and a manager who gets their clubhouse, Rob Thompson's the guy for them. As much as I love Joey Looseleaf, you know, I do uh he, the binder was not the tool for it's the not what team. you want john
1: it's not, it's what, you not want. what
0: you want uh rob thompson's a guy i think the phillies are gonna be really good again the, the nl east is just loaded with atlanta and with the mets even and with so is the
1: afc east
0: and so is
1: the Aaron Rodgers actually goes wow john we made it 52 minutes and we didn't yep. mention mention all Ron.
0: yeah i mean that was on purpose that was on purpose i i, I am not feeding that anymore that beast anymore until we what's be- it
1: been like you you get to listen to new york sports talk oh, radio every day
0: unbelievable i i was listening to someone on the air the other day they 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 started talking about how the world baseball classic is a farce and then within seconds pivoted to the packers only got rid of aaron Rodgers because he's unvaccinated it was seamless transition it was actually pretty admirable when all said and done but uh, yeah uh this uh you could say that was an out of bounds comment and this has been out of bounds on the know your news Network Mia, I'm wishing you all the best here with your procedure. Please let all of our Out of Bounds fans know once it gets done that you're already right. writing
1: on the whiteboard and posting photos.
0: All right, maybe we can get you in the chat next week uh, in the virtual whiteboard uh, and shouting your opinions via chat. Uh, best of luck on that. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this week's edition of Out of Bounds. We will see you next time. Roses are red, violets are blue. I click the subscribe button, you really should too. If you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now.